Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Eventually, eventually you managed to do it with slightly problems, but hey ho, let me just shut this. Hello, Philip. How are you? Hello, how are you? I am very good, thank you. Um, how was your day? Are you starting the day now? Yeah, I just started the day, just uh, woke up, uh, drank some uh, fresh made orange juice and uh, some green juice and then the small little warm up every morning and then not talking with you. Yeah, I was just get, getting ready for my run and I realized that um, probably it's time difference and um <laughs> I'll be running when you're waiting for me to call for my call. Oh, okay. Luckily, I realized that, and um, we're here. A few technical problems, but we sort, managed to sort it out. Um, we're going to chat about your book today. Thank you. Weaponize your web. Uh, but first, could you um, get us through your background in martial arts? Because I read on your website you've done quite a few things. Um, my first love was judo. So when I was nine years old, when I was back into Belgium after living in Nigeria for my first nine years of my life, I started with judo. Um, and then when I moved again in, in Belgium, I started with karate. Mm-hmm. And then with the karate, uh, it was Shitoryu first. And my training was really old school, bit of a rough background. Uh, I remember the first six months of my training, my chest just hurting. Always, always took a yakutsuki from one of the black belts straight on a chest bone. And then, uh, like, wondering why are we always going back, you know, my brother. So I just continued to do that, enjoyed it. It was much more sparring. We did some, we did that, of course. Uh, but the competitions we did were more kumite. Um, and then after that, um, when I moved to Japan, I started doing a bunch of martial arts. I did Shorinji Kempo at the mm-hmm. Osaka University of Foreign Languages. Uh, Shorinji Kempo is a rather new martial art, um, which was interesting. I saw some new things like uh, defending rolling kicks and, and one wrist lock that I actually can use in sparring. So I, 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 I know Shorinji Kempo quite well. One of my uh, two good friends are doing that in Poland. So, okay. Few seminars and stuff like that. Although um, it's very religious to me. Um, with the, Indeed. Yeah, but you know, everybody's got their own ways. It was so. Uh, I was actually the only foreigner doing it there. I was at the university, and you have a bunch of clubs. But the clubs are a bit like the American system. Like you do it six days a week, mm-hmm. one or two hours a day, um, and it was very traditional. Even the Japanese were like, "Well, this is too, too stiff, too, too senpai kohai stuff." Uh-huh. Um, 
but the chronicle there was really small and not, not very interesting. So I, I looked for something else. And, but indeed, in the beginning of the training, we had to send, say a whole thing. Uh, and it was very Buddhist inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but then after that, um, after graduating there, um, went back to Venice, Italy for a while there in Shotokan. But the guy was doing a bit different, like uh, more with any grabbing and like fingers in the face and stuff like that. Um, so that was also very interesting. And then when I going back to uh, to Japan, I lived there for a year and a half at the International University, uh, which is like a, a university um, like we have about sports in in Belgium for uh, soccer and, and cycling, but then for all all Budo. Mm. So that's fun. So I did I did Iaido, I did Naginata. Iaido is the drawing of the swords. Naginata is the the, the long halberds. The, Mm-hmm. Things you see the elves use in Lord of the Rings, long, yeah. long, stuff like that. Um, um, a bit of Aikido, so I experienced that, a bunch of stuff. That Budokan, I, sorry to, to jump, uh, Kathleen. That, that that Budokan, that's the the building which they got the five levels of um, bespoke martial arts um, halls, isn't it? Uh, no, I think, oh, I think it's something else. That's something else. It's the International Budo University. I actually wear a t-shirt of them right now. Kukusai Budo Daiyaku. Which is to the south of Tokyo. And they have a university there um, where just people for four years, they study sports, but specifically um, traditional Japanese Budo. Oh, awesome. And so it's really interesting. So like, you could take a little course of, of all these kinds of martial arts. And then outside of the university, I was also doing an Ashihara Karate, mm-hmm. which is a full contact style. But the trainings weren't that like, hard on. It was really the sabaki system of getting out of the way. Um, and it turned out that that instructor was a student of the Ashihara himself. And it was really, wow. interesting, really interesting to see uh, how smooth he was, although it was a full contact style. Because uh, twice a year, we, went, we had to go to Tokyo for exams, belt grading. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of like Kyokushin, just hitting and punching. Oh. But if um, you can, pull, but if you can pull the person down to uh, where their head is a, about hip level, then you win the fight. Just just mm-hmm. for uh, graduation rules, just like that. But with him, it was every three seconds. Like any person came in, one, two, three, they were down. One, two, three, they were down. And he did so technically without really pulling. Um, and that was very interesting, that, that system. I still use lids a little bit, and I saw you also had some Ashihara. Yeah, all, all, of, all of my um, teacher, well, my teacher was from Kyokushin, but he okay. left Kyokushin and uh, started, we, he found somewhere in Russia, or created, uh, that's the whole different story. But I was inspired by Ashihara, so yeah, my, all my fun, <clears throat> fundamentals are from Ashihara Karate, plus Enshin a bit. Oh, Enshin, yes. Yeah, I never did Enshin. I, I I have a book in Japanese, and I saw the DVDs of Enshin. What is the big difference for you between Ashihara and Enshin? Uh, Enshin is more uh, more encompasses of throws and more judo judo stuff, so he's more into the using throws instead of sweeps and takedowns. Okay, well, Ashihara doesn't it's like when I was doing also Tagari, but Ashihara is like no, that's judo. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. So I did that for a year and a half, uh, and um, 
I was training with the Koya, uh, the Urabe brothers, and mm-hmm. they it both became a world champion kickboxing. So uh, it was interesting to see how lights the Japanese train. Mm-hmm. That style, but also um, the one I do right now, they don't spar that hard. They spar a lot. But every time I spar here with uh, here in Belgium with people from outside the club, it's always hard. And mm. then you think you're doing r- r- realism, but if you try to learn the correct habits, it, it, it's much harder. Mm-hmm. And if you make a mistake, you get injured. So, and they with the, with the people I trained in in Japan, it's it's much softer, but it's getting the right uh, movements in during sparring and. It, it's okay to make mistakes. And mm-hmm. if you spar really hard, if you make a mistake, I mean, your body is scared of moving. So it took me a long time to understand that it's about developing the right reactions mm-hmm. and not about just like going at it. But just, uh, I, I learned slow. So <laughs> I already have a bunch of injuries that way. It's like, okay, maybe it's not the smartest way. But uh, it's hard to explain that here in Europe. Um, so anyway, after that, um, Ashihara, then I went back to Belgium for a while. And then during the summer of 2016, um, I was in Tokyo because my wife, she's Japanese. So we traveled back to the Osaka area. That's more in the middle of Japan. Tokyo's more on the east. Mm-hmm. And um, there I was really um, seeking out famous martial artists who have karate backgrounds. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. But the idea is like, well, social media exists. I was like, why don't I just try to ask if I can train with them? Like the worst thing they're going to say, they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. So I contacted uh, Imanari, which is a guy really famous in jiu-jitsu for inventing a leg lock move. Um, I, Sakuraba, I tried contacting him. He unfortunately didn't uh, respond. Uh, but Nobutatsu Suzuki, who was at that time the 1FC MMA champion mm-hmm. um, uh, with the karate kyokushin backgrounds, um, and then uh, Kikuno Katsunori, who was uh, I think a deep and other MMA organization champion, and he also fought in the UFC. And almost all of them responded like, "Yeah, okay, let's do a private." So I was in Tokyo, going from one place to the other, uh, sleeping in a capsule hotel. Those are those little coffins you go in there and you only have like a tv and nothing else but it's cozy yeah uh so i trained uh, with uh, these people and it was interesting to see um how they adapted their karate for uh mma because the, the, the nobutatsu suzuki um, he explained me how he does his kicks how he does his punches how he uses sanchin for clinching for underhooks yeah, yeah. like oh yeah it's like okay i never thought about that and then uh, that makes sense to th- that power that people develop in sanchi to use it as underhooks and to turn people around in his mma uh and yeah and because he, he only he's uh he works full-time he doesn't have a team like most modern mma fighters he only train really really trains with his students he ha- he admits like yeah grappling no <laughs> if it if that's it been grappling i will lose <laughs> so <laughs> And he became world champion that way until he eventually lost the belt to Ben Askren, who became mm-hmm. uh, a famous champion there. And then another guy, uh, Kikuno Katsunori, who, uh, who followed the UFC, he's like, uh, I was like, okay, let's do some MMA class. He's like, no, no, let's do my hanshi. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> okay, so so we did the handshake technically, and it's like, oh, and this is how he uses it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see how these karate fighters were not like, oh, let's do kickboxing now or let's do, but they really adapted old school stuff and the way the body is used in in these techniques for modern fighting. And it's, of course, they they train with resistance, they train with back and stuff like that. But I found it really interesting. And then one day, um, I went into this uh, martial arts shop called Isami. And I was there for a DVD. Uh, but the DVD wasn't there. And while I was going through the books, I saw a red book. And the uh, red book had like a, a guy with a karate gi, but also wearing a hoodie. I'm like for Japanese, that's very modern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it was just brutal stuff like uh, the, the classical street fighting stuff like but it was different like he was not turning his hips in like you always have to turn your hips when you punch and stuff like that and it's like okay yeah this is weird never mind but something stayed in my head there i was like because the next day i'm like i have to get back to that book so i went back mm-hmm. to the same shop back to tokyo trying to find my way um got the book and then start flicking through it even more and I noticed that the address for where he was from was actually really close to where uh, my wife's parents lived. So I would, so I was staying in Tokyo then for just a week or something, and I would go back and stay with my par- um, my parents-in-law. And um, so I contacted them, I called him, like, can we meet? But the timing was bad. He just moved dojo. I had to go back to Belgium uh, a few days later. So I took the red book with me at home in Belgium. Then I tried learning from the book, and it's like this doesn't work. <laughs> and I, it's just like okay, uh, because I've trained with many uh, interesting martial artists, and uh, not everything works for everybody. And this is not about good or bad. This is like maybe it works for you, maybe it works not for me. Some people are really flexible, some people are not. So you have to some, find something that, or, or style that you like. Um, anyway, two years later, I go back. And this time I'm like, okay, I have a bunch of lists of questions and like how I want to ask this. I want to ask uh, him about this page and what's this technique because they're all this off, a bit different. So I went there um, and I took a private asking him stuff. He was very patient explaining it to me. Um, and it was, it was really interesting because also in the corner there were two young teenagers 14 and 16, very thin, hitting the pads, but hard. I'm like, oh, like I told you, I've been training with like pro fighters. And then these kids were like, maybe even hitting harder than those people. I'm like, what's this? This is, this is weird. And I'm like, how long have you been training? A year, year and a half. I'm like, come on. No strength training, nothing. Just like, so what's going on here? Uh, then a couple of days later, I went back. This time my wife and my father-in-law came. They took videos of him explaining maybe the principles to me. If I look at these videos now, I didn't get it all. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so stuck in my own ways and then my own way of doing it. I'm like, no, because like I did the hip rotations, the pivot when you hook, pivoting mm-hmm. on the front foot and so on, uh, which is standard, which is definitely not, not bad at all. But uh, it's, it's, you know what the story about emptying your cup? Yeah, my, I got a bucket full of water. There was nothing getting in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But I tried, and after a couple of weeks, things started clicking. Like, okay, he's talking about X lines, about lines going from shoulder to the opposite hip. And I'm like, I'm sometimes too critical. I should sometimes be more open, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no muscle or thing going diagonally in an X. And I started reading and I couldn't find anything about it. Until one evening, late at night, I'm like, I was, I found something about baseball. And where they like, when somebody throws a baseball, their knee goes first and then everything mm-hmm. else, the, the, they use a diagonal line, a muscle sleep. Like maybe he's talking about this. So I said, no, but I really searched the internet and books. At that time, there was nothing about it in the martial arts. Now, the thing that's sure is going to happen, it's always that with every other researcher that is in the karate world. First, nobody believes it. Then you get critique, it's bullshit. Sorry mm-hmm. for the word. Then people, especially people, uh, uh, once they get a private between something, oh, this is really works. And then, of course, it's natural. <laughs> And then it always existed. Yeah, but, yeah. I've, but I've never found any. And I trained, I trained in Okinawa, where I got my black belt. Uh, I trained a lot of people. I never saw people explain that muscle sling system, which is the modern version, uh, words for it. In it. But um, so I keep kept on researching, researching, and then I came on to uh, anatomy trains, mm-hmm. which is a book by Tom Myers. It's about how uh, muscles are connected with fascia. And fascia is like a big spider web connecting everything. And it's like a spider web, it's elastic. Uh, but the fibers itself of a spider web are like apparently stronger than like uh, than Kevlar protecting mm. both and weave them together. And then it started making more sense. I saw the X lines in his drawings happening. And then I started uh, looking back at the videos of him teaching me. I'm like, oh, okay, I missed something here. Mm-hmm. And then I, COVID happens. And I'm like, oh, what do I do now? So I started really digging and back to the university studies, just take a book, read it again, again, figuring things out and simplifying it while still being correct. I'm like, how? Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're a hobbyist or you train two, three times a week, you don't really want to study the whole anatomy. There's just me, but most people don't. So how do you explain something that's useful? Because when I was uh, still working at universities, a lot of academic research stays very theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't transfer to something practical. Um, if only people of your field read it, that's something I didn't want to happen. I'm like, okay, this has to work for everybody. And I started uh, teaching it, but also researching at the same time. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. And it's like, okay, this is something I cannot keep for myself because I have a back injury due to construction accidents. Mm-hmm. So, and I have, don't have the best hips naturally. I, I, I was born with a weak body. I have otosclerosis, um, which is where you lose your hearing. So mm-hmm. my right ear doesn't hear much at all. Um, I have uh, glaucoma, So my eyesight will go away eventually, stuff like that. I've always pain in the back due to that construction accidents. So I don't move that well, although I try, I train, I spar. But when I start showing this to healthy people, they move so well. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so this is not 
just me saying it's based on anatomy, which is universal. And then I started also teaching and doing the people in wheelchairs and uh, cerebral palsy. I also have a guy trains with me who was um, uh, paralyzed for half his body. Uh, it works for them too. Uh, and then, I mean, they spar, they, they, they wrestle also within their capabilities and they can improve their techniques with this. I was like, okay, this is something that uh, we're sharing. And all peop the people who take with me a private class, I haven't met a person yet who cannot increase their power mm -hmm. and the ability between techniques because it's based on this anatomy thing. Um, so that's why I had to create a book. I could not keep it for myself. I think, I think karate can be extremely strong and extremely weak, depending what your training methods are, what you focus on. It's been proven that people like uh, GSPs to George St. Pierre in the UFC, he based his takedown on karate with the distance. And then you have Dr. Yeah, Machida, Monboy Thompson, people who use different styles of karate and do it really well. Uh, of course, they train in other martial arts, but they still always say like that. Yeah, the basis is this. And then they have other dojos where like, it's, it's a pajama party. So why pajama party? And what's the difference? Uh, and I believe if, all, if you look back at the, the old writings of Funakoshi and so on, they didn't really want different styles. Mm. Like in BJJ, it's like, you, of course, you have different teachers with different interests, but it's not like, oh, we do a completely different style and we never cross-train or I cannot learn a technique, one or two of your style. Imagine if you're a karateka and you learn the footwork of sports karate in and outs, mm -hmm. and you have Kyokushin close range low kicks and head kicks, and you have Asha Hara Enshin Sabaki system, uh, and you are used to sparring in all kinds of competitions like uh, uh, Zendokai. I mean, and you uh, know the, the 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 dangerous boom guy of some old school kata. And combine them all. That 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 that's 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 that was a dangerous fighter. Yeah, you just described describing my school. <laughs> okay, nice. We so, we we stealing from everybody. So we we kind of I'm Kyokushin Ashihara background, but we've got uh, good friends from Poland from uh, Jukado Kempo, which is based on uh, kind of uh, Parkers and Bruce Tagner Kempo, but they do lots of groundwork. So we're stealing from them and taking part in any competitions and stuff like that. But I wanted to uh, go back to you saying about the fascia. And because I was involved a lot in the uh, massaging side and, and stuff like that, so I've got a lot of exposure to fascia. But when I was reading your book, to my mind came first Anatomy Train mixed with um, Delavier's books on um, bodybuilding and martial arts. It's like a full anatomy detail with... Uh, with uh, anatomy trains, um, connective tissue and stuff. It's brilliant. Yeah. The, the, the thing is with uh, many martial arts styles, when they uh, say sensei, sensei does this, that's all I have to do this. And for me, it's not, not like, like the why. Mm. Why does it make sense? And there are different ways to do a mawashi. There are different ways of yakatsuki. And it's not which one is best. Certain is better for close range, certain is better for long range fighting and so on. And if you understand the why behind and if the people can explain the why in their style, then it makes sense. But also admit the weakness. 
also means like this doesn't really work there. And an anatomy is something like this universal. And the way um, that uh, this works is it's based on how a human walks. So when you walk one leg, I'm going to show you my kingdom. Yeah, that's really nice, Dojo. It's uh, at my home. You're a very lucky, very lucky man. <laughs> the thing is, I, I envisioned a white uh, dojo in the basement um, since forever. Like when I was in Okinawa, I uh, got my black belt Hokama Tetsuhiro. And he's uh, staying with him for about 10 days. And uh, he has a, a, an apartment. A, he has a four-story building, but he has an apartment where he lives in. Mm-hmm. And then low level he has his dojo I'm like oh that's awesome and then a uh, long time ago i saw some bjj dojo online being white at somebody's garage and like i want to combine those two so i forced my family to live all the way upstairs <laughs> I, stole, I stole the basement and the garage and everything and they changed here it's enough for about 10 12 people adults or yeah, 15 16 uh kids very so cool. I don't know how much you can hear me if I create a distance, but when I walk, if I exaggerate, this one becomes longer, short, and this one here. And then I'm exaggerating, of course, now. So this one becomes short, so this one, other side becomes long. Now if you use the same walk distance and you just rotate a little bit, you get actually one of the possible fighting stances. And if I stretch here diagonally, this will fly. If I stretch here, this will fly. Now, to explain this, um, I'm going to strip. I'm going to take off my clothes, but I'm wearing spats. Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> and I'm going to I see you, you've got the anatomic gear on you. Yep. For those who were listening on the um, podcast, he just go full naked with all, even took his skin off, just the muscles. Uh, I use this uh, way of uh, explaining um, also at the schools, and they immediately saw it because they took a course with me uh, for all sports, for volleyball and badminton, and it's exactly the same system. So when you so for the people who are list- just listening, you have a, a pectoral muscle, which is your chest muscle. Then you have a bunch of systems at your stomach for uh, abs. And then you have your adductors, which is your inner thigh. So it's a diagonal line going from one shoulder to your other knee, say. And it took me a really long time to figure this out with anatomy trains because they have two lines. Uh, they have the spiral line and the front function line. But if you see, if you think about a catapult, you can take a catapult and pull back the rubber bands and let it shoot. It's uh, the same idea if I put on this eight. For those who are watching, you got chest, abdominals, and inner thigh here. And you got serratus anterior, abdominals. And one muscle there. If I stretch it by pulling them away, it flings hooks back here. And if I stretch here, I pull that way, you can get all kinds of, of knees going on. Yep. 
And because shoulders are always opposite each other, when one gets stretched, the other gets shortened. So if I get a straight punch, I automatically stretch this one to come back. That's why the left to right, left combination works. But also if I give my straight punch, automatically this shoulder goes backwards. That's why it's so easy to bring. I'm gonna watch it there. Yeah, we, Just, we, we call it in our logic preloading. Yeah, preloading, yeah. And Ashihara uses this a lot. So I think Enchin Toda preloading. Um, then you get the question, oh, isn't this telegraphed? But then you have to think, uh, the first movements, it's really hard to do. You have to be very subtle in this. But every other movements in combinations, they just go very... Because it, when, you, when you practice it, it happens so fast. And in a fight, you don't pay attention to such a small movement. It happens so fast and sparring and like that. So, uh, so that's closely summarized. When you walk one side get stretched diagonally, other guys get shorted, and you use that walking system from the front, but also happens with the back muscles um, to use all your strikes. And what, what changed with me, it's, it's really like, I used to see all techniques to be different. A punch, an elbow, or, or, or a kick, or a knee, they were all different. And now it's like, it's the same motor system. Mm -hmm. I'm just putting a different part of it. So in the beginning, I, I normally teach them about three classes for people who have who learn for the first time. Uh, it's like you first learn the front line, and I make you feel it, and you see the difference on the back. Like it's not me saying it; like you see, like oh, it doesn't feel that hard, but the back moves more, gets more of a dense. And then the back line, and then the posture. That's also something I work with on the because if you the posture correct, it's like. Um, a lot of the muscles inside your core get tuned. They're not super tense, but they're also not hanging. Mm -hmm. They're ready to, to, to fire. Um, one of them is the gammaku. It's something that took me forever to understand. I don't think I understand completely yet, but I have a better idea now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the idea of creating a strength or tension inside your belly area in Okinawa, Karate, and so on. And um, again, anatomy helped me that with like, oh, if you have a transverse abdominis, which is uh, the deepest layer, you have four layers of, of abdominal muscles and the deepest layer uh, looks a bit like um, a championship belt of the UFC or of boxing. And, or if you have weightlifters, when they put on these belts for when they do heavy lifting, mm -hmm. it has a bit of the same shape. And if you pull in your navel a little bit, a little bit of vacuum, you already tighten that area, but you're keeping the upper layer of abdominal still soft. So by pulling a little bit in the, the tendon or the navel, uh, your core becomes uh, a bit stiffer to protect your organs and your spine, but your abdominals on top can still move. So you're still flexible. And like that. Mm -hmm. and so yes, for me, for, for me as a big eye opener is to learn anatomy as a martial artist, because then it's not about my style, your style. It's like, okay, this is how the human body works for movements. And then the fascia gave me that elastic components uh, to it. That's it's like a rubber band stretching and recalling um, that made a big, big difference how people move here. Um, people, I think people from experience of my friend from Poland, um, people don't realize how important fascia is because if you neglect it, the, the fascia work, it goes like steel. 
say, hold you in place and muscles will not glide properly. Um, I've got a friend who has got a really big problem with the, with the fascia on, on his arms and stuff. And when the therapist is doing the fascia work, he says, oh God, you're like steel, you're like in a steel shift. You can't move properly. Mm-hmm. Yes, like for me also, um, like release work for, for the, the, the body, for fascia is, is so important. And uh, I, I myself like have a bunch of foam rollers and balls and, and stuff to release work. I also have um, a map hanging here. I'll take you with me. We're going for a dojo tour. Dojo tour. Okay. But this also hangs on the wall. Oh, lovely. So these are like uh, the trigger patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this is a bit messy, but this is where all my gears. This is a dojo. And this is where we do some strength training. Cool, very cool. I'm so jealous of that. I started with one students, kids, two adults, and then uh, one pair of pads. A little by little, it's like just keep on reinvesting in the thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's great to have. Also, okay. with the, uh, the the fascia trigger points, like you were saying, um, imagine you have pain in your shoulder. It could be an injury here. So I'm definitely not a doctor. So this is not a just an example. If you did something badly acutely and you got injured, that's another thing. But many times, for example, if you use your biceps too much and it gets tighter here and tighter here and tighter here, then I got a pull on my shoulder Mm -hmm. or a pull on my elbow happening. And you can do a lot of stuff on your shoulder and nothing would change. And unless you get a good fascia or trigger point or release therapy, and they will make this soft again and you get the knots out of here. And then the pulling power on this shoulder release and a lot of people joints problems can be really helped with this me my brother just by explaining this briefly and showing some options we have prevented people from having knee surgeries and, mm-hmm. and other stuff and just like it should be standard actually my book the one i have it there's a big school with four thousand high school students now who has it in the library mm-hmm. cool. so it's like this will be, I think, in, a, in about 10 years, this could not be universal. You have pain, release it. Now you see it already more and more fascia everywhere. But then mm-hmm. also, and that's what I really hope to do with, with the book here, the, the muchimi, so the whipping body, you stretch and you let it whip. Mm-hmm. And that, that will be something also spread amongst karateka. Not that it doesn't replace other systems of developing power, but it's like, it's, it's in Okinawan karate. It's in the, my, my style I do, the Rishinjuku style. Um, people who don't uh, study this, but just move great, um, they, they, they use it. If whatever athlete you are, you use these muscle slings. It's, it's not unique to, to one style. It's just how the human body works. And uh, if you look at people who, who strike well, all strikers in the world, they use it. Like if I look at martial artists who are way, way above my level, but I can recognize the pattern. Oh, they're mm-hmm. using the, the diagonal stretch and the leather recoil. Um, 
yesterday I was also looking at a knockout from Glory Kickboxing. Like, oh, there you have it. Same thing again. Mm-hmm. And that's different between people just punching with their arms and then using the whole shoulder blade to, yeah, to develop some great power. Could you te- could you tell me how did you come up with the um, idea for the pictures in your book? Because Alex is Alexander, right? Well, Axelander. So the real name is Karol Nats, um, and his artist name is Axelander. He's oh, sorry, I, can't, I just can't read. That's what it is. No, no, that is, it's, on, <laughs> it's on purpose. Everybody, everybody, because Alexander is a, is a normal name. Yeah. Apparently, Axelander. He used to be a, a, a veterinarian, so working with animals. Okay. And apparently, a certain type of salamander. All right. Is, is his logo, and then he made like a, a twist in, in uh, a certain um, the name of a certain species of, of salamander, and he made a joke about it, and he made Axelander. And everybody reads it wrong, including myself the first time. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's this little joke thing that he that he has. Um, yeah. Anyway, for so, those who for those who didn't see it, there's a few pictures. I think they're amazing. It's like um, I I my mom used to be a printer. So I had a lot of books when I was little and I hated reading them. What changed for me is starting reading a Spider-Man books. And this I, is... I'm a big fan of Spider-Man. I'm and this is, this is like, wow, that's why I started reading books. That's why I enjoy books because it was a comic book. And your draw, uh, Axelander's um, drawings are amazing. Like you said to me on the outside conversation, I'm sure they're going to be timeless. But take us through the thinking, how did you come up with this? Well, like a geek, being a geek, I, I like to read a lot of karate books. But many of them are written dry, and they have pictures of that area of time. And they really feel old, even after 10 years, they feel old already. Mm-hmm. Not because their knowledge is not worth it, it just, it's a work to get through them. So I'm like, okay, I don't want pictures, I want drawings. Thinking about the book of Bruce Lee, Mm-hmm. Uh, the Intercepting Feasts of Chief Kundo. Uh, he has drawings and it's like, okay, there's no picture in there, but the drawings feel that, okay, somebody could make those drawings yesterday at the seminar just to remember his notes and it still works. So, okay, I need drawings. I cannot draw myself at all. So this was actually a thing that postponed his book forever because I, I wrote the book in a, a, a about, well, I did first many, uh, two, three years of research, but then when I wrote the book, that's about a couple of months, six months of writing, but it's like, okay, I need the drawings because, uh, and then I knew he could draw well, and I asked him, and he made a few, and it's like, wow, it's good. Uh, but he can draw this fast. Those drawings, like a set, he does it in like 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and um, But then it was hard for me to like, okay, I really want the details correct. And even if you look at the old, I'm, I'm actually working on an old book right now from uh, before World War II to translate it. Uh, the drawings are not always what the text says. Mm-hmm. So you read like, no, no, your, your face is a bit, a bit higher, your foot is a bit more like this and so on to make it uh, correct. And he always fixed that. And, uh, and, but I also gave him some freedom, like, okay, you can make a character, whatever, character whatever it looks like. And then you start buffing him up and then making him more like a, uh, yeah, like a, a Marvel character. I'm like, okay, this, this is going to be fun. And a lot of books, when you, karate books, when you read them, it's like left hand goes here, right hand goes there. And then you go with the right knee and, and then meanwhile you fall asleep on the toilets. And 
No. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to find like, okay, how can you make this writing style more exciting? So, and the more, the better his drawings were, the more text I could cut. Mm -hmm. So I think I, maybe I cut half of the text. So when I was talking about, okay, if you can do draw it like this, I can cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. And then the text became shorter and it's easier to read because I always kept in my mind, like the reader is going to be a Krataka who trains two, three times a week, a hobbyist who wants to improve his skills. And he still has to go through the anatomy. He still has mm -hmm. to go through uh, tensegrity, which is how... Um, stiff elements and elastic elements like bones and muscles keep each other together with the fascia or like if you see some artworks like you have these stiff structures but then it's rubber bands and everything is built mm -hmm. up like that so how do I make this and by getting Carl to make these drawings I think the book became so much better uh, I think I think it became alive so personally for me it was it's great because I'm a visual learner, so I really struggle when people explain in karate as well. If people explain me, oh, you need to do this, move here, there, it just goes above my weight. Show me, I can see how it moves, and I understand it. And this book, it just brings it alive. So you look on the picture, and I can actually use my imagination. Okay, that's how I'm going to do it. But if I read the text, it's like, okay, well, move there, there, I don't understand it. But seeing it, it's... Like you said, it brings it alive. I, I love the pictures, love the book. Yes, like, um, because when I, for example, like, I, I'm always critical. Like, if I look at my book, I'm really happy with most of Kim House, but the part of posture was still so hard. Mm. Like, I, that's a chapter I spent months trying to rewrite. I'm like, how do you draw the postures and, and make people feelable? So, and that, that, that was such a hard thing to do. The more the dynamic movements are easier to to put in drawings and then um, and to get well done, but uh, yeah, it was a big challenge and uh, also to think how can we be different, not just to be different, but like how can we write a book that is, that my brother wants to read, a karateka who's interested in all kinds of stuff, but he's not a big reader, uh -huh. and um, so he's a really smart guy, but he's not like a book book geek like I am so how do you reach those people and indeed like you said you have people who learn uh, uh, visually if people learn like more yeah, fantasy like using the brains of course like kinesthetic you cannot do with a book mm -hmm. uh, that's why uh, class would be also much more interesting to learn about that so yes it was a it was an interesting journey like uh, how do you and a tough one like People have written books, they know like how hard it is. Like writing is the, the beginning writing is the fun part, but the editing, the re-editing, version number eight, version number twenty-four, yeah. uh, <laughs> this drawing here, and then putting uh, the layouts. My poor it's a different uh, I'm gonna just give him a shout out. Uh Walter Lenov, who did the editing of this book, he used to be a professional editor. Mm -hmm. I thought I was gonna like use one evening with him to edit this book. We spent three months editing this book. Every Wednesday <laughs> evening at like eight at night because he has, he has two little babies now and, and a full-time job. So I went at Wednesday evening, eight at night, I went to his home and around one, one thirty, he would kick me out after some 
whiskey and editing. <laughs> and, um, and I thought it was going to be one evening. Like, yeah, okay, we'll do this quickly. Put some pictures there and, and we're finished. And like after session six, I'm like, oh, after session eight, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling bad right now. And it's didn't voluntarily. So we encountered the artist. We ended up um, giving him a, a big, uh, he's a big fan of Marvel too. And we uh, gifted him a Captain America shield. <laughs> All right, cool. So he was really happy with that, like, uh, because he put so much work into the, the details of the, the choice of, um, like, he spent, like, one hour just choosing which letter type. I'm like, does it matter? Apparently it yeah. does, because people like the layout or the way that the, the, this, like, we have so many different versions. I'm like, just, just move on. It's like, no, 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 it has to be good. It has to be correct. And, well, uh, it's his business card, isn't it? So... You know, it's like martial arts. Your students are your business card. And for him, yes. your book is his business card, right? Yes, well, yeah, it was... I mean, I'm glad he did it. Uh, again, um, something I think the world is missing these days, and uh, it's being able to... Empathy, to be able to imagine what the other person is going through. Mm-hmm. Something my, my grandfather thought was very important. Um and you don't really know how hard a job is unless you do it. So the drawing thing, like, eh, drawings. And then you're like, I cannot draw at all. Okay, I need the help of someone. Yeah. And you see, like, oh, yeah, oh you do the drawing so great. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've been drawing for, like, 20-something years, a couple hours a day. That's why you can do that. And then yeah. the, editor, and the editor, the same thing. is like, well, yeah, this is – and then you see the programs and everything on two screens. I'm like, wow, there's so much work. And you always imagine that other people's job, like, you can do it. Unless you're sitting next to me and you see like, wow, this is... Yeah. Uh... I, I was going to ask you something, change the subject a little bit, um, because you said you've got um, some health problems. So as I, I, my area of expertise is kind of mental health, how did the martial arts impacted you dealing with your um, illnesses and stuff? Um. When I was in Japan with Murai Yoshihara, which is my sensei from the Rishinju Karate, we went to uh, a bar, um, um, Isakaya type of bar. And then we started talking about all kinds of stuff. And for me, as I said one time, I said, like, karate is medicine. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it is like when uh, I was almost more, yeah, more than 10 years ago, I was carrying something he- very heavy with another person, uh, like a concrete bar of like 100-something kilos, mm-hmm. and they dropped it their sides. So everything went to my back. And the pain never left. And no doctor can really find, because it's not a spinal injury, I was much stronger at the time, because I was doing much more strength training. I don't have any more mm-hmm. strength. And because you want to still continue to do martial arts, Budo, um, but it, it was a dark period because I was like, okay, I'm doing this research. I was at, uh, I was at Sydney then. I was doing uh, historical research on karate at the University of Sydney. I'm like, and I can't move anymore. Like, uh, what do I do? And I just, I couldn't do, tra- I couldn't train anymore in a normal club because normal clubs, that's classical warm-ups, didn't work with my back. And I just put a bag in the garage we had and just worked on that secondhand bag. Um, and I started also sh- shrimping like some Brazilian just moves on the floor on, on the cardboard box 
of the cuts of my of my uh, baby daughter. So just my my mask was were, were cardboards, and my bag was like a secondhand bag that I just hang up with some ropes like that. And it's been like two three years just like that on my own, not be able to go anywhere close because not many instructors are are willing to adapt to their training or can imagine it. But then I started noticing like I can spar, I can still fight. But I cannot do stupid exercises like sit-ups or other stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and there, and there are a lot of people like that who have a bad knee, a bad back, a bad something, and they give up sports. So when I came back to Belgium, then I was like, okay, I want to start teaching, not because I think I know stuff, but I want to continue training now with people. Mm-hmm. But I will just teach people or who also have a pain or a physical disability that was that's how i started i, I didn't like oh i know everything i'm like, like no i don't find people to train with in normal clubs so let's make my own <laughs> and then uh i first year i had just one kid and then two three adults uh, and then i like teaching I'm like this is fun and i could like okay i can do this 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 well or well or, or i mean i can i can train properly and i cannot do this anymore and then, okay, so I just adapt my way of training. And, and, and then other people came and people with a bad back, people with bad knees, people with bad ankles who had to quit running or had to quit judo or had to quit stuff. I'm like, okay, but we spar every training. And I only have one rule when I'm sparring. Do not injure the other person. Mm-hmm. So if you want to use a boom guy, if you want to use a throw, if you want to but if I throw you, I'm responsible that you fall gentle. If you're a young kid and we have mass, we can throw a bit, a bit harder. If you're adults and you have a bad back, then it's up to me to like drop you gently and so on. And, and that, that rule works. It's like, it's a stupid rule. It's not about this is this technique. This thing is like, okay, just, and it's again, the empathy. Just imagine what the other person feels and moves. You see how he moves. Are they a beginner? Are they advanced? Do you know each other well? Do you know the limits of each other's bodies? Um, and it worked and then the club started growing and more people came and um, because I'm also like willing to see like uh, how can you move with your with the body you have so flexibility training is important strength training is important and so on but this Muchimi system where the book about is like you already have the stuff to develop a lot of power just learn how to use it and that's something that um clicked with me when I met uh, Yoshihado Murai from, from Japan. Uh, it's like, well, if you have uh, a martial art training system and do you learn how to punch and kick harder and better because it's a good teaching or training system or do you learn how to punch and kick harder because you do a lot of fitness? Mm. So certain styles, they do then a lot of weight training and a lot of running and a lot of conditioning. But then just take any gymnast or any strong person out there and or, or just do a lot of fitness and, and, and gymnastics and you will have powerful kicks and punches, but then you're not really getting the, the essence of the martial arts. It works though, like get a, a young person to do strength training and conditioning and they'll, it's a big part of, of course, of fighting. It's like, yes, so we need a system, not a system of like these 400 techniques, but like a way to move it because of power. And then you come back, like you said, the fascia, the fascia is elastic, but it's also steel if you use it properly. Mm. 
uh, and the way that it explained them, it's like, okay, this works. And then the first time I met him, he asked me, like, do you want to represent a style? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm allergic to styles. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, they have to make sense. And, and, and there's certain styles that I really like about the techniques. But with my, uh, like you talk about the mental health, with my disabilities that I have, I cannot just fit in one style. Like, I mm-hmm. love this and this from Ashihara, but I cannot do this. And although I try, I really try, I still try to do the Ashihara style kicking, which I think is so powerful and pretty. I cannot do it. And I, and, I, and I tried to, and I explained to some of my students and they can do it. I'm like, okay, they got more flexible hips and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I don't want, I don't want my limits to be their limits. So I still try to learn and understand and open it, but I'm like, okay, I, I can never be a good Ashihara guy. And then, uh, or the way that Kyok, um, Kyokushin, or even Shotokan, the way they kick, like they, they can lift their knee really high up, up mm. just with muscles. I'm like, and that's awesome if you can do that. But it does, it only works for a few people really. And then yeah. the way we kick, like it works for most people. And then, so for the mental health, like, okay, so I can teach healthy people, but I can also teach people with cerebral uh, palsy, a guy who never did sports or couldn't do sports in his life. Like, okay, so when you're a healthy person and you're young, you can do all techniques. When you get older, some of these techniques disappear. Mm-hmm. When you have an injury, more of these techniques disappear. Uh, when you are, unfortunately, with a disability, even more. But you, cannot only, you can only be good at three or four techniques, really. Yeah. You can play around with a lot of stuff, but really good at so the choice is already made for certain people. And that is like, okay, if you can help find people their techniques, as a, as a teacher, you have to be broad, you have to show them a lot of stuff. But if you can find for those people, like you're good at this, or you can really learn this well, even if you only have one R function, you can get good at this. Their mental health, they, they brighten up so much. And that's the thing with martial arts and all the stuff. I'm not just talking about karate now anymore. There's, there are some fundamental good techniques, I think, in all styles. Even mm-hmm. styles people don't respect anymore anymore these days. No, no. This core technique is still good. And of course, they spe- over, they're over-specialized sometimes and then forget other ranges to, to spar or to fight in. Um, but, uh, and if you can, for me, to, for me, the Muchimi system, so the, the stretch contract, gave me back confidence in, in being to develop power in my weakened body. Before that, I had power due to strength training and it's all gone. It's like, okay. And I never really believed in my kicks that I could actually like, okay, I can kick, but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use it for a real situation if I had to defend myself. Now I know like not all of my kicks, but a few of them like, okay, these ones, there's power behind them because you can see the feedback on mitts, on pads, um, on people, if you sometimes go a little bit too hard, um, that's the thing with the motion machine. The more you use it correctly, the less you feel you're forcing a technique, and then just and then if you do, you hit the person like I. It wasn't that hard at first. Like oh no, it was, and mm-hmm. that's what most people surprise them in the beginning. Like oh, you, it's less pushing effort and more like like let it create some tension and just let it snap, and then uh, that works. Yeah, and I like I like like to say that if it feels good, it's probably good. So, yeah, you know, you've got that you're kicking, you feel the effort, and then it goes effortless, and it felt good and landed nicely and sounded nicely. It's probably good. 
But for the mental health, so let's be real here, um, it helps me to go through a lot of bad stuff, but at the same time, it's also very frustrating because I think martial arts, they put you uh, to your limits again and again. You're like, ah, this is my limit here. And you try to improve those limits, but it's, it's so real. It's like, there's no, if you do it properly, there's no BS. Like you, you don't have an illusion, like I'm Superman or, or at the same time, I'm very weak. You're like, you know, like, no, I can do this within this area, but, and so it's, especially me, like uh, with the injury and uh, feeling that I'm getting a little bit slow. I'm 41 now. If I would be very healthy, it would be a different story, I think, at the age of 41. But to some people, it will be earlier due to injuries. At some people, I think it will be later, maybe 50, something like that. But certainly, you start slowing down. Mm-hmm. Your kicks are a bit slower than they used to be. Or, or that. And I have one of my students now, like, like there was a time when I could spar with him with one hand and do fine. And then I still could use all the techniques that I wanted. And little by little, it's getting better and better. And I'm getting older and weaker. And mm-hmm. now, you have like a student that, that like, so, there's still a lot to teach, a lot of stuff, but just in sparring, it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you have to like, and that's frustrating, like that you, you're, you're, if I would be a greater man, I would be happy for the development of my students. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that great. I'm just, I also have an ego. So like, uh-huh, <laughs> I'm getting weaker. I'm getting slower. Uh, of course, he's been, he sparred with me maybe, I don't know, 400, 500 hours in his life or even more. So he knows all my little tricks and so on. So, and then you have like, you have to think like, okay, uh, every lion one day will become too weak to catch a deer. And that's, I think, when, if you try your best with your martial arts at your level, and it can be uh, anyone to be, and you're honest with yourself and your students about your level, I think it's important to instruct or teach to give that knowledge that you have. And we need all levels. I mean, I'm talking, if you think about school soon, you have kindergarten, you have high school, you have professors, and you need all of them. There's nobody going first. If you don't learn A, B, C, D, how you're ever going to be writing papers or doing high level research. And that having a good instructor at, at fundamental level or intermediate level or high level is really important. Um, so if, if you're if you, if you have been honest with your own training and you've been training for a long time, um, I think you learn a lot by teaching, by keeping yourself honest by sparring and still getting thrown and hit by your students, which I saw also in the videos where you admit that you get thrown by students. We need more like that. We need more like instructors that like, okay, this is what I can do. And I have this knowledge, but I'm not anymore 20 or 30 but I can still give all this information to you. And if you're a good instructor, you can give them to them faster. Yeah, I think I think the problem in martial arts is that, um, maybe not in martial arts, in karate, that people think that the instructor has to be able to do everything what he expects other people to do. But, you know, you look on boxing, MMA, not every coach does everything. He just knows how to teach it. So if yes. I can pass the knowledge to you and you're going to be great, Awesome. I don't need to do it. I can't kick high high kicks anymore. I never could. But I can teach you the mechanics of the kick and use the sling thingy and then um, you can do it. So all credit to you. Yes, indeed. Like um, I, 
one thing that really clicked with me was when I was once teaching just a, a sports camp and the kids were learning all kinds of stuff and one little boy could not do a kick at all none of them front kick mawashi nothing so it was not even close i'm like okay but he was trying so trying to be patient here mm. and then by the end of the week okay let's do uh ura mawashi but when you spin around more like kokushi and stuff mm. like that he did it perfectly i'm like how can you not do a basic lift your leg and stretch your leg and how that and i have it happen many times when a, when, a st- when a certain grappling move, throw, uh, kick, punch combination works for one student really well. Mm. And it becomes their thing as like, so as I'm not going to say fighter, but some of the like sparring and stuff like that, you have your favorite thing that work for you, but it doesn't have to work for the other person. As an instructor, you have to give good like basics. And that's why I love the Mushimi system because it connects all those techniques. But then I have to show this one, this one, this one, this one. I have to go through a lot of techniques. And it's, it's, it's weird which, what people pick up. And it's not predictable. It's not predictable like, oh, this guy is not really good at all this. But and I think, oh, he likes his choke or he likes this position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's what you said. Like, as an instructor, you have to have uh, a wide base of knowledge. And I just, and I keep on learning. I keep on learning and I'm trying stuff. I'm like, or I admit, I'm, like, I'm trying to figure this out. Let's do it together and see what, what happens. And then one or two people, they will take it. They're like, yeah, it works like this, like this. I'm like, okay, thank you for teaching me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, it's, we just need to be more honest in yeah. our techniques, in our, uh, like, what do, you, what do you believe while still being open about other people's beliefs? Like, uh, for example, I'm not a big fan of wrist locks, but there's one wrist lock. I made a video about that. <laughs> like, there's one wrist lock I use. I use. I can also use it in sparring. Other guys, one year ago, like yeah. that one works. And I and, and this one also. Uh, I even use it against BJJ guys, like who are pretty high level. That those work. And I know BJJ black belt who actually uses a lot. Actually, wrist locks everybody. But the more complicated ones were. It's like, no, it doesn't really work for me. But maybe it works for you. But did you test it? Did you take somebody who is like a, a farmer who has hands like like shovels and you try to risk of them? Like, ah. <laughs> it's mm. like, and not no absolutes. Like, uh, all techniques have limits about against who it's going to work. There will always be a guy too big, too strong, or uh, a woman too flexible um, who certain techniques won't work. Or the other way around, they have a unique way of, of kicking that only they can do. Uh, what, what do you believe uh, would make karate better today? Did you talk about the mental health that you do with the karate training, like how do you approach it or what's so special about that approach that you do with the karate mental health? That's, so for me, it's mostly I create a, a empathic and a supportive, um, how would you call it, uh, environment. So when people coming in, they are not being judged and and they feel welcome. We can do anything. It doesn't, it's not nothing special about karate. In all environment, it can be a... Cubs, it can be a scout, 
uh, football, whatever. If you've got the nurturing and non-judgmental environment, people thrive. I like karate because it's got, for people, especially with a low self-esteem, the building belts and the failure system, you know, you're coming in, you can't kick, let's say kick, you can't kick, you can't kick. And you're going through the months, you're getting better, better, better. You've got that reward, so your mind is registering, and then you can look back and look. Four bands, uh, four belts before that, I couldn't do it, but now I've I done it. So through that kind of repetition of overcoming failure, that translates to um, normal life when people go, oh, that's a challenge. I just go that, over. Instead of that getting- confidence is such an important thing. That, that confidence, and I've, yeah, I've seen by myself, uh, when I was young, like it was a time when I was like bullied, and then when you start training, and I, I never stood up for it myself, but one day I stood up for a friend of mine. Like mm-hmm. he was injured with his hands, he was wrapped up, and the the bully of the school, which knows no teacher knew what to do with, like he uh, came up to him during uh, PE class, and he threw the basketball really hard at him. And something with me, like, okay, not for myself, but for my friend, yes. Mm. And I gave him a hook, and then, um, well, he went down, and they carried him away. And Good shot. You know, <laughs> the thing is, like, like I didn't know, really know what happened. Like, I was, I was really, I was, you know, I was a young teenager, and then my brother afterwards came to me, like, at the court, like, the basketball court where it happens. Like, well, there was a bit of blood there, and we thought, we thought maybe a cat ate a pigeon. Mm. and it's like but there were no feathers there and then they hear the story and apparently the guy's nose was like that but I didn't even get punished because it was a guy who the, um, who even the teachers had a lot of problems everybody had problems and I was a little dork and eventually I had the courage to stand up not for myself because I, if they, they did something to me I, I never did it just for a friend um, but then many many years later when we were else I met the guy again his nose was a bit, still a bit damaged but he admitted, like, it was my fault, and we had a beer together, and it was all good afterwards like that. Uh, but the confidence of, like, be able to, like, just be, like, protect your zone in the world. You don't need much, uh, but you have to, like, just have enough confidence like that. And I work with uh, people of all kinds of victims of violence, from rape victims to... Uh, it's surprising how much violence happens at homes. Mm. And it's nothing to do with bad education or lower income. I mean, from the richest to the poorest, like you wouldn't see on the outside, like, wow, there and there and there. And eventually, yeah, a lot of people come to me to talk about it, do some training. And then the coffers they get, when they are able to defend themselves, when other episodes happens, it changes. And then everything changes in their lives. They get the coffers like, oh, I was able to protect myself. Not that they actually hit back. In most of the cases, when I instruct people, I teach them how to defend and hit so, But just be able to like absorb on the elbows, absorb on the shoulders when, when stuff happens badly. And like, and the next day, like I had a woman like that who came in. And the next day, she was back in training. Like, yeah, yesterday, that a family member attacked me in the car. I'm like, okay. And you're here? Yeah, but shoulder's a bit stiff. I'm like, that's the only thing that happened? You had a big guy attacking you in the car and you have only a stiff shoulder? That's amazing. Um, and then their life, life changes. They become mothers. They go back to school. They go back to work. Um, it's like that commonest thing is, and it's something also I write in my book in the beginning, like if you're a combat athlete, 
or a traditional martial artist, or just somebody who wants to learn self-defense, which are the one of many of the, many of the three reasons to learn martial arts. Of course, you got the fitness and stuff like that, but it's all it's all about confidence. And I think you get the confidence in one way to be able to defend yourself and to have, in an in case of striking arts, KO power. If you know, like I have, if I need to, the option to to develop a lot of power, whatever your combat athlete to make money or a traditional martial artist who wants to ichigeki hisatsu, one hit, one kill apparently, or just like, I want self-defense. I want to be able to like get somebody off me. And if you can go one and the person's like, whoa, what's that? Then you can escape. And that, and that brings the confidence even if you never use it. And in most cases, people, the people I teach, they don't really use it. But they are... They, they are able to stand up against the bully, against the aggressor, against the family members. Like, okay, this is enough now. And then a lot of people start changing. And that's for mental health. If you train in a, in a, you know, I'm not, I'm not real, like, like, I feel like, ah, oh, hard, but like in a realistic way where you build real skill, like you said, where you climb up mm-hmm. the ranks and see that you can do more and more stuff. A lot of other stuff clicks well in your life. I think the, the the physical strength as well, being um, aware that you're physically stronger or confident, it builds up the mental confidence and strength as well. So, you know, that's what you said. She protected herself, but it wasn't that um, she done anything special. It's just the mental and physical confidence went up. So she'd been with, withstand. She was withstanding the physical aspect because the mental health when stronger or resilient yes so um a lot of my brother's a psychologist so of course they do great work but a lot of things related to stress and confidence i think the way that i try to help people and which also helps me with my confidence in my life is through the physical first and then the mental follows mm-hmm. like uh if i am getting a bit stronger and my reactions are getting better and I can block some strong punches of people who are big and stronger than me at training. Then when I go out to the outside world, I'm like, well, if I have to give a speech now, at least you're not punching me in the face if I fail the speech. <laughs> it's not really going to hurt if I fail this musical demonstration in front of my friends. It's like, okay. And then, yeah, people, and in my case, like, okay, then everything else will open up because your physical comes first. And if you think about dogs and little lions and wolves, they play the sparring thing. They're, yeah, they're yeah. Rough with it, with it. And then they, they learn the skill through that place of fighting, of hunting, of real things. And then you have a few people who really do it. I'm talking about maybe bouncers who are a lot of in violence or... Uh, people who fight in these crazy rules, whatever they are, MMA, or we have in our style, we have Tatsujin, which is like, I mean, they, they can do the weirdest stuff. They can use elbows, they can use headbutts, they can keep mm-hmm. the groin. It's, it's only for this 1% of crazy people who want to do that. Because, but because you can learn from those people, you know that stuff works and it's real. And you don't have to be a, a tough one and be but like, okay, this person is one of those crazy 1% fighters. And you learn from them, you're like, wow, okay, yeah, this works, and I see it work on competition or a bouncer in his real life, and I can learn from you in a safe environment. My confidence goes up thanks to your life experience. Thank you. 
And Geoff Thompson is a legend in the world of self-defense who wrote now yeah, many interesting books who's now uh, not involved anymore with the world of self-defense. But because he's, he had combines the, the, the real knowledge of the tough world with good books or good seminars, a lot of people improve their confidence through them. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you seek out the right instructors who or who, who, who could combine the way of teaching and the real experience, which I, which I was lucky to find in uh, now my train in Japan, then you, your confidence goes up, even if I'm not like the street fighter who does all the things. Like some other, people, some other crazy people did that. So, so just learn from them without yeah. doing that. And then you're like, okay, this is how he uses Amawashi in a real situation. This is how he uses this technique in a real situation. And especially if you, not if you hear one person talk, nah, in the old way, then they can study. But if you hear three people telling the same story and they're jumping in the story. Yeah, and then this happened. And then, they're like, okay, they, they're talking about the same story and they know details from different angles. That's, that's interesting. And for the mental health, that confidence thing is such a big thing. And if you have, like you said, an environment that doesn't judge and a way of teaching that's respectful. Um, I, like, I, I really like to work with um, teenagers that group works with me because maybe my wife said because mentally I'm also a teenager level but, <laughs> but uh, uh, if you're real with them and you give them some responsibility which is in, in case of Belgium is not much given and you show them real techniques like the one I mean real techniques a choke that really works you see the power on the, on the, on the back and they can reproduce it themselves like wow you're teaching me real stuff and mm. you're respecting me although I'm only 15, 16 um, and you ask your opinion and you spar with them and you, sometimes you fail in front of them like where you get swept or you get thrown and then you don't take revenge but you say like wow good job you were able to throw me and two years ago you couldn't even touch me like that and, mm. and that gives great confidence on them so like you said non-judgmental but still fair if they if they're, oh, yeah. if they're goofing around I let them know I'm like no sometimes I like like when it's good I say it's good but also <laughs> like when it's like this is bad and I'm like okay and they're like oh like yeah, you're not trying or you're just like <laughs> yeah we we, do, we generally have a two roles in our dojo one is to not get stressed because you know you, you, you're gonna do things wrong and nobody's judging you and the other one which I nicked from um, Brian Bates from um, Bunkai Bastards don't be a dick that's ah, that's nice that's nice <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Bunkai Bastards Brian Bates and uh, they've got always on the, on the seminars, which I sneaked as well. Is you know, if you uh, don't be a dick, if you don't see a dick around, it might be you. So be vigilant. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So yeah, that's the main rules for our dojo. But that's good. Like also another thing, I think we need to do more is to um, point out to the good instructors, the good books, the good uh, clips out there. For sure, yeah. That are not, not not per se ours, because like okay, okay, learn from Ian Abernathy, famous guy. His seminars are good. He knows what he does. Go learn from him. Open up Vince Morris. Just, just, but then also the the newer people that you like. Okay, I didn't know this person, but and if people start more pointing out, oh, go learn from this. And I think that's what the the BJJ world does much better than the Kata world. Yeah, they put a lot of good clips out there. 
uh, nice videos. And they really point out, okay, they, they, they pressure test a lot, which we can do also in a, in a safe way. Um, or look at those few competitions that allow to pressure test. But they also point out like, oh, this person has a good thing. And acknowledge that. And sometimes... I think in, in UK we are very lucky because uh, the, the sort of practical um, karate movement is just doing that. This all oh, cross pollination, you know. Oh, this one is nice. That one is nice. This this one do this. That one do that. And and try to stay away from the um, bad mouthing and stuff like that. Maybe it's just the people who I, I I interact with. But the the problem of karate is the ego. It's, yeah. it's huge, huge ego, and it's so many people just um, thinking they are the best and. Don't go there, don't do that, don't learn from this one. It should all go away. Why do you think that is? Because I've been also thinking about that lately, if you look at uh, online social posts, if, if, if karate is supposed to develop great character and should be able to, um, yeah, people on podcast, you cannot see my face frowning, but uh, <laughs> um, like, what's it with like, if we are looking for confidence, because if you're already really confident, from nature, like I have a few friends who are really confident. They don't do martial arts. Mm. They're, they're, they were born confident or they, they're good in talking or, or whatever they, they have. Those people don't really start martial arts. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, for me, martial or they arts... Go, they go more to combat sports. Yeah, they go to combat sports. Yeah. My, 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 um, my thoughts on this is that the karate or any other sport... Because the but the dicks are everywhere. Yeah. In every sport, you've got people who are good and bad, and and you come in with that baggage. You are a good person or a bad person. And martial arts or any sports or anything where is power is like money. If you're bad, it's gonna amplify you being worse. If you're good, it's gonna amplify you good. And plus, especially like I'm the work, I don't work with young people, but you working with young people, they just learn from the dodgy, right? If you come in and they see the role model, they're just going to be copying, right? Um, so they see uh, some parts of conscious, some parts of are subconscious. So they just pick up your behavior and then copy it. So if you've got the, sorry for wording, dickhead instructor, there's a high chance that a certain percentage of your students are going to be dick somewhere else. And you see that in some um, Kyokushin dojo where they allow um, students, higher grade students to beat the younger ones. And that comes from the top because they've been beaten when they came in. We call it wave in Poland. So it's very, very prevalent in army, right? Those mm -hmm. who've been on the lower go in the rank higher. They do exactly the same. So it goes like a wave down. So I think it's just uh, we need to break the habit and get good instructors. You get better in being a human being when you've got a good role models, right? Same at home. If you've got a good father then yeah. you're probably going to be a good person, although there are exceptions to the rules. With great power comes great responsibility, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, in my dojo here, like with the, with the sparring, everybody starts sparring from day one, actually. But I'm proud to say uh, <laughs> that, uh, no, that like actually the, the, the more experienced people are, the, the, the more gentle, the nicer they are to the new ones. But amongst themselves, they, they can go... Yeah, because yeah. they know each other. They, they know, like, okay, these two. So when the, the two uh, more experienced ones spar, they spar quite hard. But they know each other. They know they're laughing. They're having fun. But if you look to the side, I'm like, man, this is hard. But when they spar with new people, they're always, yeah, gentle. And I think, for, for example, for me, the yellow belt, 
you're only get yellow belt if you're able to defend or have decent defense against head punches. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have great kicks and things like that, but the idea is like, well, once you're in yellow belts, we are allowed to more, more or less attack your head and we expect you to be able to defend a head kick or a basic punch. And white belts, no. White belts, you just yeah, touch them, get them their, their, their hands moving. Uh, so it, but, it looks very similar in my dojo. So we spar from a day one as well. But you just you know you, you adjust, right? These people can do this, so you go nice and gentle. When you've got the higher belts, who try to rip their heads off, and like you said, they're laughing about it. They know each other, so it's, it's their game. That's important because they already know. Even if you get people good skills, but they're from a different dojo, they don't know the characters. They don't know mm. really if they grew up together in the dojo they know like no it's not not a bad thing we know how to scale up scale down till today i have a bad day that's gonna be softer uh but like you said you know the kyokushin dojo or i know other places mma right. and stuff that's just, just yeah, it's, it's not just kyokushin dojo it's just no, it's not the of life, but everywhere boxing everywhere they, they just, well, they're just the thing like i know some mma gyms like, or other places like that where from day one you come in and you could you just could destroy it it's like mm. There, there, there's a kickboxing gym that I know, like every beginner goes home with a headache there. And I know from several people who, who tried one or two classes there, they're like, yeah, well, you get in there, you, you just go home and you're sitting in the car, like ringing and it's like, what was that? Mm-hmm. But they have a good competition team because the people, and that's what I always say, like for, for me, I want to get everybody's confidence up and I build it up little by little. And the idea is like, every time you think you're okay level, we push you to next, to the next, to the next, to the next. But certain places like they do more like the, the army or the or seal training. Mm-hmm. We want to have a good standard of, of good fighters, and you come in and they beat on you or they, they throw you or they choke you like over and over and over again. And only the people who are already tough, who mm-hmm. already have a strong body that can take a lot of punishment, they and who really want this, they keep coming. Uh, and eventually, you got a, a good team of. of uh, of strong fighters, but then but all the people who really needed the self confidence, they mm. never benefited from the. That's why it's that's the other other thing which I'm kind of um, arsy about um, karate is that there is no clear uh, package packaging for clubs, right? So I never advertise I do self defense because that's not my area of expertise and that's not why I'm interested. I literally help people, so I've got the inclusive stuff everybody's welcome but if you've got a sports team let people know you're coming in you're gonna be beaten to death if you survive you've got chances to winning right if you want to go to the self-defense we're gonna do this stuff we're gonna do pressure testing you're gonna be really stressed under pressure injury might happen if you want to have a meditational class like i've got you don't you tell people we don't do contact we're just gonna be doing meditation so they can uh, informally choose what they want to right Yes, that's, that's, that's what, what you said about being honest, like being honest about what you can teach and what you can't teach, what your, your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you like to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think karate and if you look at the social media, when they started, they don't, not enough people understand this. Like it's maybe I am injured and older and I want to work more karate on my health. And I want to get the katas in and I want to get some cardio in and I want to do some lights maybe even though it's boring it's fine and like okay this helps my my body and helps me be a better person today that's fine 
And then people are like, oh, it's not realistic. Well, no, I'm trying to be <laughs> save my knee or whatever my problem is. And then you got the other way around where people spar really hard. I'm like, I would say like, that's bad for your brain. Don't do it. Mm. But if you have to go to, I don't know, to a war zone or something, I'm just saying something ridiculous, a war zone or something, uh, and you've got three weeks to get ready, maybe that's the best way. Just learn two, three techniques. And then like in the old school, there was an old text that I read once about um, when in World War II in Japan, they were trying to get people ready as spies. And they tried other martial arts like Aikido and so on. And the person who created Aikido was apparently amazing and could do a lot of stuff, but people could not copy it. And eventually came to karate. And, but the karate, they did only maigeri with boots on mm-hmm. and gyakutsuki, only those two techniques. And they had to go in training, they had to go full contact. And they went hard just to get them ready, like in one month, two months to go mm. be, to, to be right. Um, and then, um, but they, they admit when the instructor was facing his back towards us, we went soft on each other. <laughs> <laughs> and when he was looking at us, we, we had to go really hard because even if you had an injury, you could not help the other person because at the battle when you're a spy, you're alone and you got stuff like that. Mm. So, uh, so that by the sparring probably made, made you a strong migrant, strong Yagasugi. You get one month to train, do it hard, do it on pad, do it on each other. Maybe that's enough for a real-life scenario where you have no training. And that's what people should understand. Like if you're working deep on kata or bunkai just for fun and bunkai for more for self-defense and so on. And I think that's where the communication goes wrong in karate, socially. Like, what's your objective? Then you can say like, okay, if your objective is to become a Kyokushin fighter comp- competing, why are you bothering with face punches? You're never going to use them. Exactly but they have amazing short distance. Like I'm jealous, like how Kyokushin people can stand nose to nose and do head kicks. That's like amazing how they can do it. And they have a strong kick. But I have spotted Kyokushin people and if it's only kicks and then body shots, yes, it's a hard time. If I can use my head punches and they can use their head punches, I'm, I, I can use stuff that I'm better at, I think. Um, and that's just like, uh, also the, the beating on, on the body of the Kyokushin, there, there's still conditions with my injury of my back. That training style doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. I can like uh, I, I did a little bit in when I did Koyo It's like no, this doesn't work with my my health. So do I respect that way of training? Yes, but it it wouldn't work for me and other people that I know. And if you can, if people again empathy, if you can people like understand each other, like okay, don't just it's Hokkaido you know the. The Goju uh, karate expert where I got my black belt in Okinawa, he says, like, karate is like a ball. And I show the ball to you. You can see the front of it, but you're mm. not seeing the back. And I'm seeing the other side, and I see the back. And we're saying, it's still karate. And, and then and on this, you have sports karate, full combat karate, self-defense karate. And on my side, you maybe have kobudo and then kata and stuff like that. And unless you spend, like... Unless you explain to me what's on this side, I explain to you what's on that side, and somebody explains what's on this side, we're never going to get the whole picture. Mm. And if, but if yeah. you discuss, like, you know, the ball looks like this, My, the ball of this side of the color is blue, and you're like, no, it's red, oh, it's blue, no, it's red, and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, the other thing is that people think that karate is, is something that you are for it. Karate should be for you, right? I'm making it work for me, not I have to adjust myself to work for karate. I think that's the, that's the kind of false perspective 
people, lots of people have. That's why lots of people complain that I'm changing stuff and doing my own way. But I just, that's the way I am. My teacher told me, make karate yourself. So no. on, So that's what I'm doing. I think it's, it's a, I understand both the critique and your point of view. I think in the beginning, you should really try to understand what the person is teaching. The, the Shuhari system, from first you follow, then you break free, and then you find your own your own principles in in in, in the system in, in karate. Uh, in the beginning, just copy. Like um, in Belgium, like at the report cards of students, uh, they have to give. They were able to give their opinion. And my daughter, she has good grades. But when they give me their opinion, she has bad grades. Everything else is good, like sciences and everything. But we teach them, like, you can have discuss ideas and opinions. But if I am a first-year student of high school, why am I discussing about math- mathematics and theories about a professor and think I know better? Like, no, no, he has experience or she has experience, that professor. And in the beginning, I just learn. But once I really got this, grasp of the basics and how the system works I'm like yeah okay then you could start discussing on a, on a smart level I think it's the same with karate like first you have to know um, what a mangeri is and what a mawashi is and how the bit looks like and done it a few times stuff like that and then eventually yes you can say okay this doesn't work for me like I said um, the kyokushin way or the way that you lift your knee really high and kick mawashi that's what I teach my students and many of them can do it quite well I cannot do that. Not at all. But the Mawashi Otoshi Geri or the Brazilian kick, mm-hmm. I can do that one. And then when I went to the Nobuta Suzuki, the, the one of the world champion, and he was sparring and he saw me do the way that I kick. I'm like, ah, oh, you kick like me. I'm like, yeah, so yeah, it's the only thing I can do because I'm Stephen Hip. In fact, he said, yeah, me too. <laughs> and he's a Kyokushin background. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I'm like, yeah, well, because I'm not flexible enough, I have to modify the kick like that. And I think the, the more natural an athlete they are, the more options you're giving and the less natural athlete they are or injuries happen or age happens, then like, okay, I have to adapt these techniques this way. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm adapting it all the time as well. Uh, I'm going to have to shoot off to teach, but could you tell me, tell uh, listeners and viewers where to buy the book, where to book you for seminars if you are available and all the social medias and stuff. Yes. So the book is called Weaponize Your Web from Web from the Fascia System. And Weaponize is uh, how to use it for punching, kicking and throwing. And it creates Muchimi. Muchi is a whip and means body. So Weaponize Your Web. Muchimi karate is forgotten power source. Uh, you can find it on Amazon.com. And then um, to contact me, my name is Philip Sweden. It's written F-I-L-I-P. Uh, Philip and Sweden, S-W-E-N-N-E-N. Um, you can contact me at info at sfdojo.com um, or the website. If you type in sfdojo.be, you'll find me also. And on Instagram and uh, Facebook and all the other social media. If you type in my name, Philip Swellen, you'll probably find me there. As I'm a bald guy, so if you see a guy, <laughs> there, uh, um, I'm a guy. I give privates and, and also seminars. Um, what I do is I, I look already what you already can do mostly. So what kind of movement are you already doing correctly? And I go, okay, this punch you're already doing correctly this way. Uh, but if you use a sling, 
in the same manner for the kick, you will get more power or the other way around. So I first had people uh, work a little, very shortly uh, on the back and then, or on, on mids or in the air. And I see like, okay, you already move well this, maybe if you adapt this, this and progress less. So my name is Philip Swellen, weaponize your web on amazon.com. Uh, SF, which is my name as Swellen Philip, which stands for self-defense first. <laughs> and then whatever you want to choose, fighting or fun, self-defense fighting or self-defense fun, <laughs> those two, um, at the dojo.com. I'm going to put the, all the links below so you can um, just click them and find them. Okay. Thank you for your time. And uh, you where, where can they find you or you're with the mental uh, health? Just uh, Les Bubka and Zilogon come up or Karate for Mental Health and um, it all rolls up. Can't get away from me. <laughs> you, you, you also have like uh, you just moved your uh, your teaching instructors to a different site because they they closed down or something. Uh, they closed two projects uh, because of the new financial year. Waiting for a reply. Uh, we're gonna be back there. It kind of rolls on and on. Okay. So, Let me know how it goes. It, it is what it is. Okay. Yeah, coming in, coming back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. I'm gonna be shooting off. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, yeah. And if you don't have a book, go and grab it now. Yeah, so I'm from Belgium. Where are you from exactly in now? Uh, I'm in Guildford, UK, but from Poland. From Poland, UK, right. Where in the UK? Uh, Guildford, not far from London. Okay, good. Hope to meet you someday. Thank for you. Sure. Good. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.